Welcome to Camera Shake Podcast, episode 43. We're back alive and kicking, and today we're going to be shaking it up with none other than Dana Did It. Dana is a photographer, full-time YouTuber, music producer, and multi-instrumentalist. That's right. I've seen your early videos, my friend. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. I went all the way back. Oh, jeez. Which is awesome, actually, by the way. So how are you doing, man? You okay? I'm great. Yeah, yeah. You know, staying safe, staying warm over here. It's uh, minus 39 today Whoa. Celsius. Whoa. So yeah, Whoa. she's uh, she's cold outside. So I'm in my in my little studio room with as many aperture lights as I can use to keep myself warm. <laughs> well, see, I have family not too far from where you are. So I have family. Oh, okay. um, my family used to live in Canmore. Uh, in okay, Carter, yeah. Um, and now uh, my cousins now live in uh, in Calgary. And my aunt and my uncle have they have a place in Calgary, but they're also in Nova Scotia at the moment because. Maybe they got maybe because they got trapped there through the whole COVID thing, and they weren't allowed to travel across to different territories and all that, all the rest. Gotcha. Of it. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. But yeah, man, it gets cold. Hell, it is nuts. Yeah, yeah. But absolutely beautiful at the same time. I've been uh, yeah. posting some stuff. Actually, I just posted some photos from from Canmore. They were from the summer, so it wasn't. Uh, yeah. It didn't show off the cold. But then I posted another one here that you know you see the hoarfrost and. Yeah. It's, uh, it's beautiful one way or another, just looking through a window, it's nice and safe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I saw, you know, I saw, I saw that post, um, your latest video, um, on your YouTube channel, um, to do with, uh, how to, how to post Instagram carousels. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and I looked when I, you know, I sort of glanced at it. I'm like, hang on a minute. I know that mountain. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> cool. Totally. When I first posted, because they were all photos that uh, that I had posted before, and when I first posted that specific photo of that mountain, um, yeah. the one that made it into that carousel, uh, there were a bunch of other people who had just posted photos, like a bunch of people in the same niche, like other YouTubers and stuff like that, yeah. that had just posted photos. So I actually went out and started looking for other people. Lizzie Pierce had just posted one. I think Chris right. Howe and Lizzie were probably together. They both just posted them. So yeah. I went and started sharing photos of that same mountain, which is, uh, is funny. We were probably all standing at the same, like, turn off to, to take yeah. photos of these mountains when we took yeah. the photos. Well, it's, it's um, from my uncle's house or where he used to live. You could actually see the three sisters right from, right from the, oh, the bedroom nice. window. So yeah. it's, yeah, it's, a, it's a really, it's a beautiful view. It's, it's yeah. funny because, you know, you often see, uh, you know, uh, videos um, from like, you know, Banff and, uh, and Jasper and stuff like that. But, you know, Canmore doesn't really pop up that often. So it's like, ooh, okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> nice. I've got I've got one in the bank that's uh it was just like a little vlog. We did the the Holling Peak hike, my wife and I. And right. it's it's just outside of Canmore. We stayed in Canmore for the night and right. and yeah, it's it's beautiful. It's totally totally underrated. It's a nice place to go that's not quite as like it's still touristy, but it's not quite as touristy as Banff is. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's it's not as overrun. You know. Yeah. Um I mean I've I I must admit, I've never, I haven't been there in the winter. I've only been there in the summertime and mm -hmm. uh, it's, you know, stunningly, stunningly beautiful. So, you know, yeah. I uh, just highly recommend it. There's a place called the Iron Goat, which like my uncle's house was just around the corner from there. It's just like a, uh, like a bar restaurant type of a, type of place. And uh, yeah. yeah, my sort of local haunt <laughs> when I stayed there. So, so yeah, it was good. But you're in Edmonton, right? I am. Yeah. So I'm four and a half, five hours drive north 
of there. So mm-hmm. I'm not actually very close to the mountains, which is, is too bad. It's like far yeah. enough away. You can't like a day trip is, is kind of tough to do, but, uh, yeah. but you're close enough to tease you, you know? Yeah. And there's, there's another thing. Uh, there's another video I, I came across where you went, you and your wife went on a trip to Drumheller. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the funny thing, my, my wife was born in Drumheller. Oh, okay. And so she like, um, because for for those viewers and listeners who don't know, Drumheller is very famous for dinosaurs. Everything everything's a dinosaur, and this, the yep. the Royal Tyrell uh, Museum, which is uh, you know uh, one of the kind of I think most eminent museums for like dinosaur stuff, for the lack of a better word. Yeah. And uh, I was just watching that video um, on my phone actually, and uh, you know my, my wife walked in and she just took a glance at my phone. She was like. Why are you watching a video about Drumheller? And I'm like, oh, that's you know, that's our next guest on the show. And she's like, wow, cool, awesome. That's funny. Yeah. 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 It's a cool place. I think it's like it was the most heavily populated place for fossils, like where they find fossils yeah. and still find them regularly uh, in maybe all of North America or something like that. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I'm not sure about the world. I don't want to overspeak there, but I think yeah. it's like, it's pretty crazy how much they find in that one specific spot. And so there's museums yeah. there and, and you can yeah. go on these hikes and, and ex- expeditions and like try and find your own fossils and stuff. It's, it's very cool. It's uh, when I was yeah. a kid, we used to go there once a year or so. And, and it was always a big highlight because, you know, Young boy loving dinosaurs. That's just the way to be. Yeah. Old guy loving dinosaurs. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> it's never going to change. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I tell you what, we, we went, um, we went, uh, well, the last time we went over there was like, it must have been like, what is it now? Four, it must have been four years ago because we were supposed to go back to Canada last year, 2020, which, you know, obviously we had to cancel because of COVID and the rest of it. Mm-hmm. And so we banked our flights. We were meant to go back this August, but it's not looking good at this point. To yeah. be honest, you know, <laughs> probably not going to happen. But, I, I uh, wouldn't count on it. No, no, no. Um, it's just you know. But um, I remember like sitting in in my wife's um, aunt's uh, house, and her uncle goes like, "Oh, do you want to see some dinosaur bones?" I mean, yeah. So he he picks up this bucket from the garage, full with like dinosaur stuff, you know, like bones and like all sorts of like relics, right? And uh, and he goes like, yeah, I constantly pick them out of the lawnmower. <laughs> so that's that's the thing. I mean, he's, he's just mowing the lawn, and then you know ends up finding all this stuff. It's it's incredible. Oh my goodness, that's wild. Yeah. So so you've just literally just gone full time on YouTube at the beginning of this year. Yeah. So how like that's a massive major step. How does that? Like, do you, do you, can you already compute what's happened? <laughs> <laughs> it's been pretty wild. It's uh, It's been interesting. I still feel like I'm transitioning. Like I'm a full month in and I still feel like I'm trying to figure out what it's like to be on this like non-schedule that I now have or like mm. I'm totally on my own schedule. So, I mean, for the past, I forget how many years I've, I've, it has to be 10 years almost now or nine years or something along those lines. I've been working as a 
uh, a music producer and recording engineer. Uh, for quite a while, it was just kind of freelance stuff while I was teaching drum lessons and that kind of thing. But then uh, I opened my own recording studio and music school, which I'm still I'm still part owner of and still work there. But that was that was the full time thing. So that was five days a week, you know, kind of regular eight to 10 hour days kind of thing. And then one day a week I would cram in doing a video for YouTube as of whatever, four and a half years ago, I started doing that. And then gradually it kind of started to be like, okay, well, YouTube is growing and growing and growing and it needs, it needs more attention. It needs more space, that kind of thing. If, if I don't want to get kind of stuck at a plateau. And so just recently, um, the, we, we decided with myself and my business partner that it would make sense not only for me, but also for the business if I kind of swapped it. So instead of full-time audio, part-time YouTube, it's now full-time YouTube, part-time audio. So I'm still working in the studio um, mostly just now taking on only kind of the projects that, that I'm really excited about, which is, is great for me. Like, obviously like, you know, it's, uh, it's cool to be able to, uh, be a little bit more picky. Uh, but most of it comes down to just now I have less time for that because I'm focusing more on the YouTube side of things, but yeah, it's, it's been super weird. Um, the one thing that I've noticed is that once I had more time to dedicate to YouTube, I started making my videos more complicated, um, which is, is just like everyone, everyone, when I, when I first kind of announced that I was going to go full time, uh, everyone was like, cool, we're going to get two videos a week. And I was like, let's just hold off there because I know myself and I know that it's, it's going to turn into something else. So I'm going to stick with one video a week. And sure enough, I started to like, I started to make them more complicated and, and in a good way though, where like all the stuff that before when I only had my one day a week, mm. I would have to crush in. And at the end of that day or at the end of my edit session in the early hours of the weekend or whatever, I'd have to be like, okay, that's the cutoff. Like this has to go up because I need to have a video up on Monday, just, just my own deadline, uh, internal deadline. But that I, at some point I kind of had to say, okay, this is good enough. Like it's going up. And now I kind of have the time to say, okay, this is pretty good. I have three more days left. What else can we do with this? And so now I've been doing more titles and and getting even tighter with my editing and and all that kind of stuff. And so now instead of being able to put out more content, I'm just taking longer <laughs> to do the one piece of content that I I kind of guarantee my audience every week. But I mean, I've also launched a Patreon as well, um, and that's been going really cool. We've got about 24 people in there now. Um, with like a private discord server. So that's taken up some time, uh, you know, kind of chatting with those people and, and doing a little bit of extra content for them, a couple of behind the scenes things and, and little extras like that. And that's been a lot of fun. And then uh, I started doing shorts as well. So I guess I did make a little bit more, uh, a little bit more content, but these weekly one minute or less than a minute uh, YouTube shorts where mostly I'm focusing on kind of camera basics and such. Mm. So I've done a couple, uh, a couple of little things that most of my audience probably already knows, but maybe it's a nice reminder. So that's been kind of the, the transition to full time. It's, uh, it's wild. I was just texting with a friend of mine and she kind of said, you got any, anything fun happening this week? And I just like bullet listed <laughs> my to do's and it was just like, it, it felt weird to type them all out that way. But yeah, yeah. it's been, uh, 
I've been keeping busy, that's for sure. Yeah. What what was the uh what was the tipping point for you that made you think, you know what, now's the right time to switch that work lifestyle around? I mean, it was it was kind of a couple of things. I mean, first of all, the the YouTube side of things was more monetarily lucrative than my full-time job. Like that was at, at, at that, at some point I started actually making more money doing YouTube than I did at my full-time job, even though I was only putting in one and a half days a week or one day a week on the YouTube thing. Um, and so then it kind of like, you can see where the, the value is from a, a monetary point, but there's a lot of, there was still a lot of pride and stuff in the fact that I built my own Right, or I started a business with with business partners and stuff like that. So I didn't want to leave that high and dry. But obviously, with uh, with COVID and everything uh, being primarily a music school uh, with a studio inside of it, and my part of it is just the studio, but the the primary part of the business is the music school. Obviously, COVID is kind of gave us a big hit and stuff. And so there were uh, lots of conversations about, you know, how we're going to, how we're going to deal with that and that kind of thing. And this was one of the ways that actually potentially could help the business um, because I was, I was a salaried, uh, a salaried part of the business before. And so basically what we did is switched me over to just being hourly. And now I just am going to take on a little bit less hours. It's going to cost, it's only ever going to cost the business money when I'm also making money essentially. And so it kind of, like I said, it kind of worked on both sides as the world kind of currently stands. So yeah, that was, it, it was a, a culmination of things, I guess. I mean, my, my hat's off to you, man. It's a brave step and it's only after you take that step do you realize, my God, this was the right thing to do. I don't regret it in any way, you know? Yeah. And I, I'm, I feel really lucky that I had the ability to do it in the way that I did. Like for so long, I was able to work a full-time job and build up what I have now. Like I, I didn't, there was no real jump for me. Mm. Like there mm. is for a lot of people where they're like, Hey, I'm making a little bit of money. If I had the extra time to, to jump into this, um, then, then maybe I could, maybe I could do more with it. Like I said, I basically built it up to the point where it was making as much as my salary job. And so then it, it was, it was a relatively easy jump. Now, that being said, it's, it's a lot more volatile. That's the big thing about, yeah. about the YouTube side of things is like at any, at any time, you know, YouTube could, there could be a problem and my channel could get shut down and then I got to deal with that. And that's a good chunk of my income and, or, you know, all those kinds of things. So it's about figuring out how to make sure that, uh, I feel comfortable with the amount that's coming in. And as far as just like, you know, making a living anyway. Um, but yeah, so it's, 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 it's a little weird, but fun. Absolutely. I'm, I'm going to ask you the question that I can hear every single one of our, our, our listeners and viewers asking right now. Is, okay. How do you make money out of YouTube? <laughs> okay. That, yeah, that, no, that's I, the magic question they're all going to be thinking. I, I know it. <laughs> yeah. So there, I kind of have three main sources of income from, from YouTube and, and, uh, they're almost split. Like uh, it's almost a 30, 30, 30 kind of split, but it's uh, affiliate marketing. And that's, mm -hmm. that's really heavy for me specifically because I talk about gear, I think. 
Um, you know, so I, I talk about a lens in a video and then I put an affiliate link. And if people liked what I had to say about the lens in the video, they might go click my link and use that. So I make a certain amount of money from affiliate links. And I have, if you go look at my descriptions, I have lots of them. Every, if I, if I'm talking about a product, I've at least looked to see if they have an affiliate program or if they're on Amazon or whatever. And I do, I do a decent amount of, uh, of work around making sure that, uh, you know, I'm making commissions off as much as I can from as many countries as I can and, and that kind of stuff. And, uh, to anyone who's starting out in that realm, I highly suggest, uh, making sure you do your due diligence and making sure that you're not missing out on opportunities there. Cause it's, it's nice, easy, passive income. Um, the second one is just from, uh, YouTube AdSense, uh, which is just, you know, they, they put ads on my videos and I get a check every once a month or whatever. And, and from, uh, that one's a little weirder, uh, <laughs> that, and that one goes up and down with the, with the amount of views. And, and that's where it's important to, um, make sure that you're, you're on top of understanding YouTube and you're trying to get, trying to get views and stuff, especially if you're, if you're relying on that specific one, uh, making sure that you're, you're keeping your view count up and that kind of stuff. But the nice thing about that one is that if you have a couple of videos that, that really pop off and, and do really well, um, over a long term, which is, is kind of how my channel is working right now. Like my top five videos in any given 90 day period are probably at least a year old, you know, and then, and, and sometimes those videos weren't even ones that did really well right off the bat. They might've picked up later, but so once you have a good catalog of videos on your channel, you're more likely to get more ad revenue and that kind of stuff. And I think that people get really discouraged when they've only got, 10, 15, 20, 50 videos on their channel and they're not making a lot of AdSense and they, they kind of forget that it's like you have to have a lot of videos running a lot of ads in order to make a decent amount um, off of that, that ad money. Um, and I, I think I'm coming up on 250 or 300 videos or something along those lines on my channel. So there's a lot of, a lot of sources there. And then the third way is through sponsorships. And, and if you've ever watched any of my videos, you'll probably have, have seen a couple of sponsorships, whether that be, you know, the, the go-tos that everybody sees, Skillshare and Squarespace and, and those guys. Or uh, I do a lot more kind of specific stuff with brands that, uh, that I enjoy. I really like to do dedicated videos more so than the like the little 30-second stop in the middle of the the video but uh but every once in a while if it's a company that i do like i i do those ones as well because they're uh they work for some videos so but that's that's kind of the three spots so like the affiliate marketing adsense and then the sponsored stuff um which is uh is always really interesting to to you can never really count on any of them <laughs> so there's a lot of work since i've gone full-time in uh, managing those kinds of things, that's been a lot of where my energy has been going to make sure that uh, in a month I will still be full time YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> so, would, would you would you say that um, the 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 driving quality content is going to actually drive all three of those avenues of um, uh, income there? that's what's your driving factor behind those. That's what's going to keep it going. I think so. I think that there's, there's, mm. 
there are a couple of different factors, uh, and and the the quality content thing is is a <laughs> tough one to kind of to qualify because when people think of like oh like you've got to make quality content the first thing that comes to mind is uh video quality audio quality you know that kind of stuff but that's not really what people are talking about when they're talking about quality content um part of it comes down to personality and i think that that's something that a lot of people don't keep in mind they think that it's only about the story or the the information or whatever and that is a very important part of it, but I'm really relaying the same information that all the other reviewers or all the other tutorial teachers and stuff are on YouTube. There are lots of them out there who are doing the same things. And I think the thing that that connects me to my audience is is at least partially my personality and the way that I put things together and the way that I show off my personality and that kind of thing. Um, it's it's kind of like a, a trust thing. They need to know that they can they can trust you that you're not uh, a shill or you're not lying to them, uh, which is is a whole other conversation because it's mostly ridiculous when people throw around those accusations. Um, but uh, but there's there's kind of a piece of trust and then there's a piece of entertainment too. And I think that one uh, one of my strengths and one of the reasons that my channel has done as well as it has is because I walk this line between uh, your buddy who like you can just have a coffee with and then somebody who can really teach you something, you know, and, and p- part of that I attribute to the fact that I taught drum lessons uh, for a, a handful of years once I got finished with music school. And so I learned how to teach kids how to drum and <laughs> that is not a, an easy thing to do and and you have to you have to make it fun and you have to make it entertaining and you have to keep it relatively simple without talking down to them and so i think that that's an important thing um when you're building quality content you have to understand who your viewer is and really understand how to talk to them um and it's something that i am am constantly tweaking and 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 changing the way that that i'm trying to connect with my audience and something that i've been focusing on a lot since the start of the year when i now obviously have more time to focus on that and i'm not just like i got to say words and edit them together and get a video for monday <laughs> yeah i think you know the thing about quality yeah. is is oftentimes i think you know people think uh, especially when you know when you think of people who are thinking about maybe setting up um, a YouTube channel, um, mm-hmm. you know, then you see something like a Peter McKinnon video and you kind of go, well, that's just no chance. I mean, if that is what good quality is, forget about it. Like, you know, and so this is um, this paralysis by analysis type of a thing mm-hmm. where, you know, mm-hmm. you just don't get started. And, you know, just... I might be in danger of boring our listeners because we've talked about this like so many times in like <laughs> probably every single episode since, you know, since we started. But the thing, you know, the thing for Nick and me was um, when we first started this podcast, we had no idea what, you know, how to podcast. Like we didn't know, you know, we talked about the idea on and off for, uh, for six months or something. And then uh, when COVID hit, you know, when the lockdown hit, we literally had, you know, we had like uh, contracts canceled and projects, uh, you know, being delayed and everything else. And so we're literally, you know, we sat down and we went like, well, okay, so what are we going to do now? Right. And so we figured, well, might as well, this might as well be the time. Let's get started with the podcast. Right. And so yeah. uh, we had this, you know, we had this conversation on like a Friday or something. And then we said like, right, we're going to record on a Monday and that is it. 
episode one is we're going to record it on Monday. So we had a weekend to figure out how to do it. And we, I think we called the, the first episode done is better than, uh, what well, done is better than perfect because yeah. that was, you know, that's, that was just a way to get started really. And I think very often when people think that they have to, you know, compete with, you know, other filmmakers and other YouTube channels, um, that idea of quality is very often misplaced yeah. because there are a lot of, a lot of aspects to, you know, creating a YouTube channel and, and filming videos and stuff like that, that you'll inevitably pick up over time. You just have to get started at some point. Mm-hmm. And you know, what's really, really super interesting when it comes to that is because like I mentioned earlier, I actually went back and I, I watched the <laughs> first videos, right? And, oh no. <laughs> and, and no, I'd be, I'd be absolutely honest. Um, because you started like with sort of vlog style videos, right? Yeah. Yeah, I remember I probably like, a full year of, of yeah. just vlogs, no no camera talk or anything yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. But even with the very first videos, it was already there was already like a storyline there. You know, and I think you put a lot of yourself into that as well because you talk quite sort of openly about, you know, losing weight and the kind of stuff that you were going through. And that really was actually already, you know, when I saw that, I'm like, that's a, you know that's sort of a channel I can follow because there's somebody yep. with a personality that I, I really like, you know, that's like a, a likable person there. Do you know what I mean? And so it's really interesting to see over the course of four and a half years, how your channel has developed. And it's, it's really this, it's absolute proof. I think that something like YouTube or YouTube channel is really just, it's a marathon rather than a sprint. You're not going to get to be, you know, Peter McKinnon in a week and a half. That is just not going to happen. Yeah. Like how, for yeah. you, how was the, like chucking away this for four and a half years, that really does, uh, you know, I mean, you know, we are 41 weeks in, so we're far, far away from like four and a half years, but you know, what kind of determination do you need to really just stick with it for, for that length of time? It's, <laughs> you, ha- you have to be in some way, some kind of obsessive, I think. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and I think that I, I really think that my once a week, challenge that I put on myself was a big part of, of being able to stick it out. Mm. Um, I think if I, if I did the thing that a lot of people do where they're like, you know, I've got my full-time job and I'm just going to do this. Like whenever I get a video, I'll upload it and, and that kind of thing. And I right off the bat was like, Nope, Monday morning, 6 30 AM every week, a video is going out. And I think in the four, so, four or so years that I've been doing this, I've only ever missed two or three, and I've put up extra ones other times. So I probably more than made up for it. But I think that that was a really, really important part for me because then there was kind of this, there was always this internal pressure to do it. And it helped with my obsession of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I do think, I do think that it's, it's like you said, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And, and you do have to have a certain kind of determination and you really have to love doing it. Like mm-hmm. I absolutely love making the videos that I make. I love rambling on about camera gear and techniques. And I, I think, I think there's, it's not something that I like talk about a lot because there's just not like a, a place to talk about it, but it's like, I bought a camera four years ago, the first camera I've ever owned. Like I'm not one of those guys like Peter or, or Maddie or whoever, who like was like a, a DP or a professional photographer or doing any kind of work like that before. It's like, I was like, Ooh, cameras are cool. I'm going to go start a YouTube channel. I picked up <laughs> awesome. an A60 or an A6000 and like just started my channel. And that was, 
I was off to the races like it. And then eventually got so obsessed with improving my quality and my technique and my editing and all that kind of stuff that I found myself just babbling about it all the time anyway. And so then the, the channel kind of naturally morphed into a channel about that stuff. Mm. And most of what I've been doing over the past two and a half years or so is just relaying information that I'm gathering. I learn something. I get to a point where I feel like, okay, I feel comfortable enough about this concept that I feel like I could pass it on to people who are where I was a year ago or are mm-hmm. where I was three months ago or whatever, like people who might not know this. Um, and so really it's just this kind of this kind of passing down of information. Um, and then of course the, the, the gear reviews specifically are just more so like I go test things out and if they work for me, I say good things. And if they don't work for me, I either don't do the review or I tell people about the problems that I had, you know? So it's, uh, it's, it's really interesting. And, and I think about this often is like, what made me keep going? Cause for that first year, first year and a half, maybe even two years, like not a whole lot was happening on the channel. Like I was getting a hundred views and I didn't have many subscribers. And then all of a sudden a couple of videos help it skyrocket and, uh, and the growth really started to happen, but it did, it took a long time or what felt like a long time. Like you guys said, like you're not even quite a year in on the podcast yet. And it's like, at that point in my channel, like nothing was happening. Like it was, it was dead. (laughs) I mean, the thing is that, you know, I'm, I'm always, you know, when I contact people that I think, um, you know, would be great to have on the show. I'm always, I'm always totally honest about the fact that we're a really small podcast because that's, that's the truth of it, you know? And um, I mean, but, but even for us, it's, you know, we're now like 41 weeks in and we are at a completely different point compared to where we were when we first started out. And, you mm-hmm. know, what's, what's, uh, what's super uh, like addictive almost is like on the audio version of the podcast, you know, in the like analytics bit, you have like the second like world map and you can yeah. see where people are when they're listening to you, you know, and, and whenever there's a new little dot that pops up, it's like, Hey, Somebody's listening to us in Cincinnati. (laughs) 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 Yay. Awesome. Yeah. So I totally hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Comments for me. The comment Mm -hmm. section is, uh, and people like to say where they're from. They say like, hello Mm -hmm. from the Philippines or hello from India or hello from Switzerland or whatever, you know, like, and it's so cool to know that you're connecting with people all around the world. It's, it's a weird and, and fantastic feeling. And I still, to this day, as ridiculous as it is, I still try and answer every single comment that I get on my channel and every single DM that people send me. It's, uh, it's difficult to, to handle, but I, I'm still, I'm still trying my best anyway. I think you're, I think you need this, need staff now. <laughs> <laughs> I've got, I've got a couple of people helping me out, not with the, not with the comments specifically, but, but with some other stuff now that, uh, that, uh, are, are su- I'm super thankful for. But oh, where, where was the where was the point where you all, you all of a sudden realized that something seems to be happening on your channel? Oh geez, um, I do I, I I did try and do uh, a review of my first set of uh, True Wireless earbuds. They were like it was like an Indiegogo campaign that I backed, and I finally got these 
these earbuds in and I was like, oh, it'd be cool to be one of the first people to review these because everyone's just getting their shipment of these and eventually they're going to go full on sale. So I was like, okay, I'm a tech reviewer now. I'm going to try this. And so I did that. And seeing seeing that video get, I forget what it was, like 15,000 views in the first month or something like that. And I was just like, you know, just like it was this this crazy thing seeing my vlogs, which obviously are like, vlogs aren't searchable. Nobody's looking for like what Dunna did on a Wednesday afternoon. <laughs> like, so no one's, no one's going to find that unless I specifically send them there. Whereas this, this opportunity of using YouTube as a, a search engine and being at the end of that search, that was kind of a, a, a light bulb moment for me on what I could do with the channel. Um, and I just, like, I always suggest to everyone, I just did it as, as for fun. Hence Dunna did it. It's supposed to be for anything that I want to do. And so I just did something that I thought might be fun and I had a lot of fun doing it. And so then it kind of kept creeping back into, it was still mostly vlogs at that point, but there was, there was definitely a light bulb there where I was like, okay, YouTube is a search engine first and foremost. And so if I can kind of play off of that, there's the chance that I can grow this thing to be something else. And so I started to kind of incorporate that more and more. And then eventually I had a couple of uh, gear reviews that that took off as well and, and really started to grow my channel. But I do think that that earbud review, which is, it's still up. I don't really take anything down. So uh, if people want to go watch it, it's uh, it's probably really bad. Um but yeah, it's uh, that was that was kind of a light bulb moment for at least for the possibility of what the channel could be, kind of thing. So, uh, you you mentioned uh, a little earlier about you you need to have fun, you need to enjoy what you do with this this type of thing, right? And that always comes comes through. Mm-hmm. I was on the phone to Kirsten uh, this morning, and I talked at him, not with him. I talked at him about white balance for twenty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and that is exactly why we started a photography podcast <laughs> because yeah. you know there we, we kind of figured here in the beginning we figured you know uh there must be other nerds out there who like to talk you know gear and photography and all of that kind of stuff there must be other people out there so you know it, you know we i mean we literally just started out because we just that's what we did anyway so we might as well kind of you know, record it somehow and, you yeah. know, see what, see what happens. And so it's, um, it's, you know, in our own little way, it's been a really, it's, it's been a fun journey. And I think, you know, when we first started out, like we didn't know what, how, how this was going to pan out in the end, you know, uh, it, you know, and, and, uh, although it originally in the very beginning, it really gave us like a lot of, um, kind of structure, throughout the week because you know very much like you we put one episode out a week and so you know we record like on a monday and then we release it on a thursday uh, you know typically that's that's what we used to anyway and so it was you know at a time of total national lockdown when you know everything was shut you couldn't go outside you know every day was the same and you forgot what day of the week it was you know half the time it was just giving us that little structure we went like oh it's monday we got to record a podcast and oh it's thursday we got to put it out and then you know the same thing happened again next week, the following week. And, and so it just went on for us. Um, and then all of a sudden it just became part of, it just, it's now it's just part of what we do. It's like part of 
the raison d'etre almost, you mm-hmm. know, where it's just like, that is just what we do every week, you know? So, um, and so of course, you know, things develop, like for us originally, the early episodes, it was just us talking to each other, you know, talking about photography stuff. And well, I would say we eventually hit on photography. There was like just a lot of other stuff that you talk about when you talk to, you know, a friend basically. Um, yeah. And then eventually we figured, we thought, wouldn't it be cool if we had guests on the show and we could talk, we could talk at somebody else, basically, <laughs> you know? And, um, and then from, and originally, you know, it was like mainly friends of ours that we got on the show, you know, other photographers uh, that we knew that we'd worked with and stuff and that'd be interesting. And then it's just, and then it just kind of spiraled, you know, I wouldn't say it spiraled out of control, but I got to the point where, where now it's like, you know, every, every time we, we do an episode, it's like a school day. You know, because even for us, like we learn so yeah. much from, you know, talking to you about YouTube and, you know, talking to with, yeah, talking to other guests, you know, that we had in the past. It's like, no matter whether somebody's like an expert, I don't know, wildlife photographer or, uh, or Photoshop expert or whatever it is, that's, that's like always so much that, that we could, we ourselves could take away from that, which it just, that just gives you enough drive to just carry on throughout the next week. Yeah. How, like when... Because I've I've, I've, uh, I've noticed that recently you've you've changed a lot of things about your channel. Like the backgrounds are starting to to look like really super slick. I'm really liking that green light, by the way. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's your what's your kind of plan for the next kind of year or so? Every plan, hey. Eh? i mean i've got i've got a a handful of things kind of on the go the the changes that i've made recently i mean we we moved right at the start of when everything started to kind of shut down for covid we moved into basically into a two-bedroom apartment and so now i have the second bedroom is my little studio so i'm in a little nine by nine foot bedroom Mm -hmm. with the window blacked out so that I can use, uh, so I can use all my lights and stuff. And, and it's been this, this kind of slow, very slow, gradual build up to trying to figure out what, what wall works best to shoot against and Mm -hmm. where do I want to stand? And can, is there a way that I can like leave things set up in the room? So I'm not constantly setting up and tearing down and that kind of thing. And again, the, the switch over to, um, to full time has given me a little bit extra time to really lay into it. So instead of like, okay, I've got 30 minutes to experiment and then I have to start recording a video one way or another. It's like, now I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to spend the whole day playing around with different angles and different color grading. And mm-hmm. I'm going to take a shot and put it into DaVinci and, and pull it up and grade it and see if it works. And like, okay, maybe if I overexpose it, blah, 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 blah. Like I had a whole bunch more time to spend with that. So that's probably why you've been seeing the the extra changes is honestly just because I have time to play with more things now. Um, but as far as where things are going uh, in the, in the future here, I've got a couple of different um, kind of types of videos that I, I, I want to start cycling between. I've got one series coming up called Can Dunna Do It, uh, which is essentially there's a a, a page on my website right now. Uh, there's the a, a bar at the top with all the navigation or whatever, and there's 
I think it says like challenge me or something like that. And so people can, people can go there and leave a, leave a challenge, Mm. something that they want me to try and tackle. And so I've got a couple of those that are, uh, I've, I've gotten a a decent amount of really great suggestions. And so I've got a couple of those in the works right now, uh, with some cool sponsors and stuff like that, that I think that's going to make a really cool series. Um, and, and it's really interesting. And the, the, the whole channel started because I'm obsessed with learning about this stuff and then passing on the, the information that I learn. And so it just seems like a, a perfect fit uh, to do something like that. But then there's also, you know, I've got certain tutorials and certain reviews, and then I've got the, the new short series, the done a quick tips. Um, and so it's, it's kind of about, it's going to be about making sure that I'm kind of rotating between all those different types of content that I'm putting out. Mm. Um, and, and trying to make sure that I'm not leaving anybody behind either. I, the one thing about my channel when it first started to get more popular was that I was primarily making content for APSC users. Mm-hmm. And then because of, because of the way that my channel was expanding and, and, and the growth of this business, I was able to move into full frame and started shooting more full frame and stuff. And I kind of brought my content along with me there. And what I realized very quickly is that as you get into the more advanced gear or the more advanced techniques, there are less people there. Some Mm. people drop off before there, or some people just aren't there yet. Mm. And so it's like this pyramid where like, as you get into the more advanced stuff, there's just less people there for one reason or another. And, and I kept having requests for like, Hey, are you ever going to review this new exciting APS-C lens that came out? And it's like, well, I don't, I don't shoot a lot of that anymore. So I haven't been talking about it, but I don't want to necessarily leave anybody behind. Mm. So I'm going to be focusing a little bit more on uh, beginner stuff with the shorts and then going back to some more kind of APS-C content and, and kind of fulfilling that, that need for people who are like what I was two years ago, where you just picked up your first APS-C camera and you're like, I don't know what lens to buy, you know, that kind of thing. Cause there are, there are lots of channels out there talking about all the new exciting full frame stuff. And, and I still will, but uh, so that's, that's kind of one of the other things uh, going on this year. And then there's the, the Patreon is, is another one that's uh, that's very exciting. And I hope that, uh, I hope that we can continue to grow that. And there's a lot of, a lot of exciting stuff happening over there. So I think, I think that's my 2021 plans right now, <laughs> maybe some merch or something like that. It's, it, it's interesting. It's interesting what you said about um, there being sort of a, a bigger base of, of beginners as opposed to mm-hmm. advanced because Nick and me in another um, sort of in another job that we do is we work for a music service. So uh, we're both musicians. Nick is actually an audio engineer um, also and nice. and uh, as as part of that, we run another YouTube channel called Learn Play Repeat. And what what that essentially is, in a nutshell, it's um, it's uh, we've basically filmed professional musicians perform great great pieces. Like I don't know if you're familiar or encountered with uh, ABRSM and Trinity, um, great graded music exams. Do you do that in Canada? I'm not sure. I, I I mean, yeah, I think through the school side of things. Yeah. yeah. So basically, yeah. Th- so the. Uh, the idea was that since the music centers that um, the music trust that we're working for runs, uh, they also exam centers. So the idea was basically to create really high quality versions of these pieces being performed, you know, uh, in front of the camera for kids to a listen to them when they 
trying to choose which piece they want to they want to start practicing, but also you know to get a really good performance of it, and also to to help them to play along essentially. So that that was the idea, and so what we found is that all of the early beginners type grades, so grades one, two, and maybe three, those are the ones that get a ton of the views, and then at the higher you go, grade four or five. It really is like a pyramid, you know, with a white base, and then it really just mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. kind of narrows down. And then, you know, as you get to the the really difficult grades, there's like hardly anybody there who who ends up watching that. So it's yeah. you know, so it's, yeah, it's a, and yeah, I found that I found that like the camera gear space is is very similar to that, where you're like, mm -hmm. there, everybody buys a beginner camera at some point, but not everybody makes it to a more advanced camera, yeah. you know, or, or to more advanced techniques. It's like some of them either get through that beginner stuff and then decide, you know what, this actually isn't for me. I don't want to invest any more time, energy, mm -hmm. money into this. Uh, and then, you know, some people, it, it, it diverts into something else. Like maybe they end up really enjoyed being a boom operator and so they move into <laughs> yeah. that area or something along those lines you know yeah. like there's there is this this kind of pyramid where people shift to something else or yeah. decide to learn on their own or whatever it happens to yeah. be but yeah, you, yeah that's find, really interesting that it applies there too yeah how did you find um switching from APS-C cameras to full frame like as far as your own production and your own workflow is concerned how did, did that make any difference at all or did you did you find it made a massive difference e I found that uh, I think one of the one of the places where I really appreciated it was in the in the grading in color grading. Um, just I felt like there was just a lot more to play with. And then going from eight bit to ten bit when I got the A seven S three was another huge jump in in grading. But I do I do like grading my A seven three over my A sixty six hundred if I can. It's not it's not a huge significant thing. It's mm. just like, it's just a, it's just a nice little touch. It's, it's a little bit more to play with. You can push it a little bit harder. It, it looks just a little bit cleaner, but, uh, but honestly, I still like uh, in my last video, I shot it with the, actually a couple of my last videos I've been shooting with the a seven S three and the a 6600. And then my a7 III has kind of become like a photos only camera lately for whatever reason. I've just been using the a6600 as as kind of a B cam because it's really handy. I love how small it is. I also I'm right now actually I'm shooting with it and the uh, the Tamron 17 to 70 uh, the the new lens that they've got out now. And so I've been playing around with that a lot. And it's it's so handy to just have like tiny body with a, with a reasonably small lens that's mm. versatile that kind of works for everything. And, but yeah, the, the switchover was, it was weird at first. And then now it's, now it's a little hard to go back when I, when I do mostly just because getting as wide as I want to get, mm. uh, is, is difficult on APS-C because they just, uh, you know, those, those 10 to 18 lenses for Sony anyway, there's really only one of them. You don't really have a whole lot of options. When when you first have transitioned from music to photography, was uh, was mm -hmm. photography more like a was that just an interest or a hobby that you got into or? Yeah, yeah, it was just honestly, it started out with me like finding the the uh, photo editing capability in Instagram, like just the built in like contrast clarity hue saturation whatever's whatever's in there. i don't even know what's in there anymore because i haven't used it in forever but like i just started like 
posting my breakfast, but instead of just taking a photo and posting it, I was taking a photo and then messing with it a whole bunch and seeing right. if I could make it look a little bit clearer or a little bit more artistic or whatever. And it was just little stuff like that. And then it, it eventually got to the point where it's like, okay, well, when I do this, when I push this slider too hard, the whole thing just falls apart. What's the answer to that? And then you go look on the internet and you find out that like, the information that's in those files, there isn't enough there. So you need to have a camera that will get you enough information. So then mm. I started taking photos in another app and pulling them into Instagram and then messing with them. And you get a little bit more out of it. And then eventually I just was like, okay, I, I, I can only do so much with a phone camera. I need a, a real camera. So did some research and Sony was on the up and up at that point. So I, mm. I locked into the Sony universe and, uh, and the rest is pretty much history. <laughs> but yeah, it, it really just started with just like, I just love to learn. It, it's, that's really what it came down to. It could have been anything. It didn't have to be photography, videography. I, I pick up hobbies like crazy. And most of them I drop after a little while. But like mm -hmm. this one just, it was familiar enough because there's a lot of, there's a lot of crossover between video and, and audio. Mm -hmm. Um and and photo too but uh yeah it just it it was just everything matched together somehow <laughs> there really is i mean for me that's never really been much of a transition between music and and photography mainly because when i was really young or, or you know i had like a a, a video camera when I, when I was a kid so i was like shooting little videos and you know making little little films and cutting them on like two vcrs and all that kind of stuff back in those mm -hmm. days but um and then I spent like 25 years or something having a career in music and then I sort of came back into photography and I never found the transition being that dramatic because ultimately it's, you know, the process of making things is still the same. It's like, you know, um, I had to explain this in some careers video that I shot this, this morning where I'm explaining to students um, what it's like to be a photographer and, and a podcaster actually, interesting enough. But um I always find that the you know the, the concept of of creating something out of thin air is the same whether you write a piece of music or whether you make a photograph or you create a video because you start with nothing and you end up with something and that in itself is totally fascinating. That's the thing. It's like what do they say? It's the journey, not the destination, or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Did yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the the creative process is is so similar regardless of what you're what you're creating. And I think with the YouTube channel too, something that that I always say is like, it's, it's so hard to make it in the music industry. If you're like, if you want to be an artist, if you want to like write a song, record it, perform it and have people pay you for it. Like that's, that's a really difficult thing to get to. It's definitely possible. There's definitely a lot of work that goes into it. And just like YouTube, like you're probably, you're more likely to do better if you put out a whole lot of stuff, but it can be really expensive to make that stuff and so on and so forth. And I feel like I kind of got that with YouTube where I got to just like, I just make whatever I want mm. and I make enough money at it to get by, you know? And, and it's, it's this cool thing where like, I, I see as, as someone who owns a recording studio and sees artists come in and they're like, okay, we're going to make this one. This is going to be my hit. Like, this is going to be the one that, that launches me. And it's like, that's not always how it works sometimes, but not always. And so it's kind of cool to like, to have had something that kind of worked like that for me, where it's like, I just put in enough work. I did whatever I wanted to and enough people liked it that now I can support myself 
while doing that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's a it's a fascinating thing that there's so much crossover between probably any creative style of of art or or media or whatever it happens to be i'm sure there's a lot more that that could be said about you know writing or or Mm -hmm. drawing or any of those kinds of things too it's like the creative process is so similar uh across all of those things yeah it's also completely unpredictable as to what kind what type of content will do well and what doesn't i mean i always find this we always we have this like we have a bit of a like a bit of a joke you know behind the scenes all the time because um, we can never predict which episode will do well and which ones don't. Like the the oddest episodes that strangely do seem to be doing really well. And then there are like episodes where they're like, man, this is awesome. And then it's like, eh. <laughs> you know, nobody yeah. else agrees. Uh, you know, and, and also what's funny is, and this is something that nobody's ever been able to explain to me actually, um, because, you know, we're doing uh, an audio version and a video version of each episode. So, you know, the for those of you who are new to this channel, by the way, uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, there is an audio version of this on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and uh, wherever awesome podcasts live, obviously. And if you're an audio listener, then you can not only listen to our sultry voices, but you can also see us in glorious Technicolor over on YouTube. So hit that up. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button, ring the bell, and all the other stuff that people on YouTube say all the time. But um, I can't even remember where I was going with this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, you went you went into the subscriber pitch and you forgot. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I've done this forty-one times too many. Oh um, no, we we've broken Kirsten. Let's restart him. Uh, let me just stick it up. <laughs> right. So, um, so what we're saying is is that sometimes the video version of an episode will do really well, and the audio version of it will not perform well at all. And often it's the other way around as well, where like. You know, the video doesn't move and the audio version goes through the roof. And it's like, this doesn't seem to be any logic, rhyme or reason to it whatsoever. Yeah. You know, that's completely new to us. The only thing that we've noticed is that there's, there's almost a pattern to it. Like when the audio is doing well, the video will not do that well and vice versa. It seems to be, I don't know. It's a, it's a that's conspiracy. Strange. That's what it is. <laughs> Conspiracy, I tell you, it's there I, it is. Yeah, I, th- I think it's the same 100 people that listen to our stuff, basically. And then you know, if if 60 of them in one week decide they don't have time to to watch the whole video, it's just on in on audio, and then that goes up. Whatever, I don't know. This is this is part of what I love about YouTube. It's it's not just making the videos, but I love the guessing game and playing the YouTube game and like why yeah. did that video work and this one didn't and why did that video start out slow but then 6 months in all mm. of a sudden exploded and now like my most viewed video on my channel is this one about it's the it's the one about splitting a photo for Instagram to mm-hmm. do a, a two-sided uh uh, carousel post or whatever. That's yeah. for whatever reason, that one is the most viewed video on my channel, but right out the gate, not a whole lot. Six yeah. months in, all of a sudden it took off and like trying to figure out those kinds of things is really interesting. Yeah. The only thing that I can think of for the podcast, for the video podcast versus audio podcast is that YouTube is a search engine. So the ones that do well on YouTube for you guys are probably have some kind of searchable something to them whereas podcasts aren't generally as as searchable like people will search out photography podcast mm. but that's about as far as it goes they're not looking for specific uh topics as much but that's just that's just me playing the game and guessing yeah, yeah sure do you, do you like obsess about things like keywords and uh searchability of your videos and stuff like that 
Yeah, of course he does. Yeah, a little bit. I, I get <laughs> there's there's definitely a certain amount of that that I get obsessive over, um, and then and then I kind of hit a wall, and I'm like, you know what? That's enough. Whatever video's going up, like it'll do what it does, and I walk away, and I'm I'm mm. grumpy about having spent so much time thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's really obvious, but the the thing that I've been doing lately is is trying not to focus so much on search and focus more on humans. Mm. And and their emotional reactions. And I'm talking about like thumbnails and titles and stuff like that, mm. um, because uh, as much as as YouTube is a, a search engine, once people search for your stuff, and YouTube is pretty smart about showing them the right kinds of stuff, mm. you have to get them to click amongst the other twenty things that are on that page, mm. kind of thing. And that's that's where you have to really start working to to play with humans. So it's this it's this funny balance between keywords and stuff that people are going to search, but then also wording it in a way that is enticing and mysterious and makes people go, how, what, what's it going to be? You know, I did a video recently on my, uh, Sigma 24 to 70, which is like my, my all around lens. And there is, I didn't put Sigma 24 to 70 anywhere in the title. It says, and there's a big question mark in the thumbnail. So you don't know what lens it is. And right off the bat, it did really well because people were like, probably saying like, what lens is he going to talk about? Like Hmm. I searched for all around full frame Sony lens or something like that. And there's a big question mark on this thumbnail. I got to know, you know, Hmm. so kind of playing with that, that thing. Whereas I used to, you know, two years ago, I probably would have just said Sigma 24 to 70 review Sony E mount. (laughs) <laughs> you know, put all of all of the keywords, as many keywords as I can put in a title. Yeah. So it's it's interesting to play that game and I have some tools that I use that that trying to help me uh make it work. Yeah. I mean this again is a really good example of how, you know, through actually practicing it, you get better over time. And that's, of course, I mean, as we know, like as musicians, we know that applies to guitar or drums or whatever, you know, the more hours you spend hammering it out on the guitar, the better you'll get there's no way you won't get better, you know? And I guess yeah. the same thing really applies to a discipline like YouTube, for example, or actually photography as a whole, you know, that's, that's definitely a thing uh, where I think like, you know, if you, the more pictures you take, the better you'll get. There's no way around that. So, yeah. Um, so how have you found, I can't remember what I was going to ask actually. Um, we're going to cut this bit out. <laughs> <laughs> We're making more. Well, work actually, for one one little we... one little addition to what you right. just said um, is uh, even just like the idea of practicing something over and over is one thing, but I feel like the 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 process of of what we do with YouTube or titles or whatever it is is almost more like when you get to that point in your practice where you're recording and listening back. You know, and the the listening back to what you've done is almost like looking at those analytics and being like, okay, what worked and what didn't. It's just like listening back to your recording of yourself playing through scales and being like, okay, am I out of time? Are my notes nice and even? All those kinds of things. So it's like it's it really is almost like a that that next step of like really uh, effective practicing too, which is uh, is really cool. I think um, keywords is is a funny one. I, a long time ago, I started a, um, sort of, uh, uh, an engineer's kind of, um, YouTube t- channel, you know, how to, how to mix and record and do you know, tips on doing this tips on doing that. And it became such a chore to work out why something was working, why another video wasn't 
that, you know, work then got in the way as well. I was, at the time, I was in full-time work, working in, uh, in corporate. And it was like, you know what? I'm analytical. It's what I do for a living. I still can't work it out. It made no sense to me whatsoever. <laughs> and it's like YouTube, you can, yeah, <laughs> it's just. Yeah. And part of it, I think, is if you've only got so, a few videos, 10, 20, 50, kind of like you said, actually, it's a lot harder to gauge. Um, you're such a small sample set to go, hmm, that's why. You need a few more to really kind of boost that up and to get a bit more confidence in choosing those right keywords. But having yeah. seen your channel um, grow, you know, you talk about your thumbnails as well. They stand out. They, you can pick out, you, you know it's your video when you scroll through a list of search results because you can tell by the style of thumbnail every time there's a couple of there's a handful of other youtubers you can do that too as well and you can pick it out and you go i know exactly who's done that video i'm going to click mm -hmm. on it mm -hmm. and that that's your brand it's part of your brand and right now you're you're nailing it you're absolutely Thank nailing you. it that's, you know I, just it, before just before before we came in this podcast i was just watching your um your latest video as well um on the the multi photo carousel um instagram post um yeah. And, you know, slicing them up into various bits and pieces. And your style has changed so much over the past, even just over the last few months, in such a way. And I, th I think what you were, just to go back to what you were saying earlier about personality coming through, that, that comes through more than ever right now. Yet I think you're disseminating more information than ever all at the same time. So whatever you're doing, man. <laughs> well, thank you. I mean, that's, it's, it's good to hear. It's good to hear that it's coming through because it's yeah. like what exactly what you just said is what I've been working on for the past six months. Um, you know, working, I've been working on my titles and thumbnails and, and trying to figure out what works. And, and just like you said, like, especially when you're, when you're smaller and you don't have the sample set, it's really difficult to know what's actually working and what's not. And then you throw on top of that, that there's a million variables. Like, so trying to decide that like, oh, it was this one thing that made that video work. Like that's not happening. Like you're not getting that close. You're just, you're kind of grasping in the dark, but like you can take educated guesses. Um, but like, yeah, as far as the, the actual videos go, it's something that I've been playing with a lot. And for a while there, I kept getting comments where it was like, this guy talks too much or, you know, those kinds of things. And for whatever reason, in this social media mindset where like you get a hundred good comments and then you get that one bad one. And I'm like, okay, should I take that seriously? Like maybe I should, maybe I should get to the information and stop trying to force my personality or my thoughts or whatever on people. And so for a while there, I did. I actually was just like, hey, today we're going to be talking about this thing. Like, let's get into it. Mm -hmm. And then I would just go through it. And what I noticed is that I stopped having a really solid connection with my subscribers. People weren't coming back as often. I wasn't growing subscribers as much. Like people were still, I was still getting a decent amount of views and stuff, but it was kind of like I just become a textbook kind of channel. Like people were coming, they were taking the information and then they were moving on. And I was like, that's not, that's not going to work long-term probably. Like I think the, the thing that, the thing that people dismiss or that they don't understand about what Peter McKinnon is doing is that he's selling Peter McKinnon all the time and he's so good at it and it's so entertaining and it's so fun. And like he, 
is again like another another channel that's saying a lot of the same information that you can find all over YouTube, but he's doing it in such a Peter way that that's why he has this strong connection with his subscribers. And so something that I've been trying to do over the past couple of months is figure out a way where I can be just as informational as I was when I was getting to the point and not talking too much, but also bring in my own personality and and that kind of stuff. And part of it has come down to just like, I'm scripting a lot less and I, I'm bullet mm-hmm. pointing a lot more. Mm-hmm. And I'm also absolutely ruthless in my edit now. And it is a very difficult to, thing to do when you can see somewhere in the back of your mind, you're like, I know why I just talked for three minutes about white balance in this video. But the thing that I said at the start of that three minutes and the last sentence of it are enough information. So cut out the middle part, you know, like, and that's, that's really hard to do when you're editing yourself. I think if you're editing somebody else, it's easier to, it's easier to see that you can probably chop that all together. But, uh, but that's something that I've been trying to do to try and find that balance of, of information and personality because, uh, because I know that the there's a good balance of people that come for both. So trying to figure out uh, basically what you just said, like, you know, trying to figure out how I can make sure that everybody's saying, Dunny, you just nailed it. That's it, man. <laughs> and, and, you know, you, you, have to, you have to think of yourself when you're on YouTube as part of the entertainment industry, <laughs> you know, and that's just the generation that we live in now that people expect to be entertained as well as get all the information they want and they want it as quickly as possible as concisely as possible and i don't want to know stuff that i didn't come here to find out about yeah yeah but that that's we uh, you know being perhaps slightly slightly older certainly me and kirsten uh, we that we may not be that you know we may be used to you know just getting the information that we need. But most people who are watching YouTube are, you know, younger than us. And that's your, most of your audience. So you've got to cater with it while at the same time, of course, holding true to what you believe in and how you want to be. And I, yeah. th- I think that's what you, you've come to at a point now. Actually, you're doing it exactly how you want to do it. And thank- thankfully, it fits exactly with your audience right now. And yeah. Like I say, you know, you know what's funny. You know what's funny about this also is um, I I noticed you doing your shorts, you know, recently, as in like short videos, obviously not shorts, shorts, <laughs> because that would be weird. But anyway, so um, and you know, I was watching some of those, and I kind of thought I, I really liked them. And you know, my immediate thought was that's exactly where Peter McKinnon's two minute Thursdays or two minute Tuesdays used to be. Do you remember? Like, yeah. you know, yeah. two minutes of like a, a, like a set subject, you know, two minutes, well, you know, plus minus, obviously, but, you know, <laughs> a very short, like, video that would just kind of um, target one particular piece of information. He would teach it in a really engaging way and, and he'd make a really interesting video about it, whatever. But ultimately, you know, that would, that would be like, you know, how to use, I don't know, graduated filter in Photoshop or whatever else. And it'd be like two minutes, bang, you watch it, you go like, oh, I know how to use this now. Dang. You know, yeah. done. And yeah. when I saw your shorts, uh, I think I saw one uh, where you talked about the camera dial. And I'm like, you know, as a photographer, I, uh, people ask me about this like all the time, by the way, you know, it's just the same sort of questions. And you kind of go, yeah, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Right. Slap straight in there. You know, it's actually just the right bite size kind of length, you know, that you, you don't need any more than that to get that information. And it's perfect. And then that made me think, 
Okay, so where have Peter McKinnon's Two Minute Tuesdays gone and how that channel has changed away from what it was like when I first started watching it, I guess, Mm -hmm. like how many years ago that was now? I can't remember. Um, And then I kind of, I immediately started to realize that you're actually really filling that void. You're really fitting into that void because his channel's moved on to some completely different place by now and you're really coming yeah. into that into that vacu- uh, vacuum and that's you know that's really cool because that's exactly why i started watching those kind of youtube videos in the first place yeah yeah you know and so that tells me that there is a massive audience right there for for exactly for exactly that very cool well thank you for saying that and yeah it's it's really interesting i've been noticing this lately and ca- kind of going back to what i was saying before about the pyramid of of viewership kind of thing is that once you're once you as a person or as a as a person on youtube or whatever are at a certain level you kind of have to always keep reassessing like okay now now i look like this to the world so what does what do i need to be in order to hit my target audience and like do i want to keep trying to serve the same people or am i looking at a new audience now and i think that peter is a great example of someone who has kind of shifted and shifted as his channel's grown with what it makes sense for him to be making you know like i think that i think that if he from a from a purely kind of growth standpoint too like where where like i think if he just kept making tutorials and and that kind of stuff i think that there is a bit of a plateau there Mm. to some extent whereas like he builds it around his personality like we were saying and and i think that there's so much more potential there for him as kind of almost just like a celebrity like you said like an entertainer you know on the platform where there is still some information and that kind of stuff but so much of it is just it it feels almost vloggy, you know, with with a, mm-hmm. a sprinkle of camera gear and a sprinkle of tutorials and that kind of stuff in there. And it's something that I've been finding myself having to do a little bit lately too, where it's like, okay, now now my channel's at a certain size. People are looking at me for certain things. They're asking for certain things. I have to kind of just make a decision. It's not that I have to do anything specifically, but I have to make a decision. Do I just keep doing whatever the hell I want to do or do I fulfill some of these requests or is there some kind of middle ground where I can do a little bit of both and and that kind of thing and it's 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 really interesting and I think that some of the best channels on YouTube are the ones who are constantly kind of playing with that you know going with the waves of like where's your channel at where's the viewership at who is your target viewership that kind of thing and and like you said kind of filling filling the gaps of like what is what is needed on on youtube or or on whatever platform it is that they they happen to be and i love the shorts for that too i had a, a laundry list of video ideas that i was like ah I can't really make a 10 to 12 minute video about that. Like it's, if I do make a video, it's going to be a really short video. Yeah. And so then all of a sudden YouTube is like, Hey, we're going to steal TikTok and reels and we're going to make these little one minute vertical videos. And I was like, nailed it. That's perfect. I can, I can squish these down. Most of them probably should be three or four minute videos, but I squish them in under a minute and just give like just the bare minimum of information on that topic 
Um, I've got one coming out tomorrow that basically just talks about how to get the blurry background, you know, and it's like, you only need a minute to talk about that really. And then if I want to go more in depth, I can make a full, full video on it later. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's cool to analyze and and decide who you want to be and what your audience wants and who your audience is and all that kind of stuff. It's, I love the game. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it is, you know, it's, I think it's it's actually not that hard to come up with a massive list of, you know, especially when you're when you're aiming at beginners, um, because you can literally just take a camera body and go like, right, here's the dial. Today we're going to talk about, you know, uh, shutter priority, and tomorrow we're going to talk about aperture priority, and the day after we're going to talk about manual, and then we're going to, you know, and it's like the list yep. can just can just carry on, and and really each one of those. Um, aspects really doesn't really take that much explanation. It's each thing on its own is really a bite-sized bit of info. Uh, when you take the whole thing, when you put the whole thing together and you're trying to explain how a camera body works, that is a massive undertaking. And yeah. that will be like your, you know, six-hour Jared Polin, uh, you know, course, tutorial course or something like that, you know. But but actually yeah. just taking these these little bits, that can be, you know, that can be really, really useful. Yeah, uh, there's an interesting, yeah. you know, that's interesting thing. We had a, we had a guest on the show, Tommy Reynolds, um, f- you know, a few months ago, and he said something uh, really interesting because he's on his YouTube channel. He what he does is he does one, he kind of creates one video for his audience, and then he does one video for himself. And often the the ones that he does that are just for himself, I just those are just things that he wants to do, and he doesn't really care whether <laughs> anybody else is into it or not. Um, but that's just yeah. how he kind of keeps himself sane and, you know, it kind of makes sense to him and that's, that's how he operates. But um, he said, uh, you know, when he first, when he first started doing this and he got, I asked him actually, what was it like when the first time you got a negative comment or a thumbs down hmm. on one of your videos? Like, how did that make you feel? And like his response was like, that was all the verification I needed. <laughs> I kind of thought, awesome, wicked. <laughs> yeah. how, do you, how do you deal with the with the sort of response that you get to your videos? Uh, not well. <laughs> no, it's, it, it's funny. It's kind of like I, I was I was saying a little bit earlier that it's you can get a hundred positive comments hmm. and one negative comment, and for whatever reason, that one negative comment will stick in your head. For, for so long and you'll just forget about those hundred positive comments and it's it really is a difficult thing and I think it's just a part of a part of human nature that we do that to ourselves it's it's really sadistic mm. um, but yeah it's I've been I've been going back and forth on on how to how I deal with it sometimes I do respond if I if I if I can muster up the mental capacity to give them the benefit of the doubt and assume that they're trying to help in some way, shape or form, and they're not just being a jerk, uh, I will try and engage in conversation with them. And there have been a couple of times where like, uh, either I've turned people around and been able to further explain what I meant by the thing that they misunderstood in the video. And Mm. then they're like, Oh, thank you so much for taking the time to explain this. Like, big fan subscribed, you know, those kinds of things that's happened a couple of times. And then sometimes you find out that they were just trying to be a jerk and they don't really care what you have to say. And then you hide them from your channel and you keep that negative talk out of your comment section, basically. (laughs) (laughs) But it is, it is difficult not to something that I've been trying to do lately is just try not to engage. 
as much as possible and and remind myself that before that before that one negative comment where the person says this guy talks too much or something i probably got a hundred comments that said great video done a super helpful i'm gonna go try this right away you know those kinds of things Mm -hmm. and it's it is the 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 community is overwhelmingly positive for my, my personal experience anyway, is that the community is overwhelmingly positive. And the reason that it feels negative is because in human nature, we focus on the negative. We, we dwell on it uh, more than we need to. But if we, I think if you made a spreadsheet, uh, (laughs) you would see that it is actually more positive than it is negative. Well, that's, that really also kind of refers back to like the way that people deal with COVID, for instance, you know, and the whole pandemic thing, mm-hmm. because it's so easy to just be overwhelmed by all all the negative aspects of it, you know, um, the lockdowns and the, the limitations to life and, you know, all the things that, you know, we can't do anymore. How do you deal with that? I mean, what is it, what is it actually like uh, in, in in Alberta at the moment? Like, what, do you, are you in a lockdown or what's happening? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Like there, there are a, a decent amount of restrictions right now. There's no curfew or anything like that. Um, the, I believe the federal government is just putting in place uh, provincial travel restrictions, which is technically, I think, is the first time um, that there will be travel restrictions between provinces. Um, the border between Canada and the States is pretty much locked down and has been for quite a while. Mm. Um, travel restrictions internationally have been, have been in place for a while now, but they're, uh, the, the Canadian government is now, I think mandating that the airlines and stuff who, who travel to like sun destinations are basically, it's a no go at this point. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, I think it's like a mild version of what we see in the States where it's like, there's, there's this half of people who (laughs) I shouldn't even say half, maybe there's a third of people who just like, don't seem to believe that anything is wrong. And then there's (laughs) a third of people who are upset that there's not more happening to try and make things better. And then there are the other third of people who are upset that the government is doing as much as they're doing to try and make things better because they are worried about the economy. So everybody's just scared. Mm. And this is, this is something that my wife and I have talked about a bunch lately is that like trying to, trying to have empathy for everybody and their sides, even if you, even if you don't believe what they believe or whatever, it's like trying to just realize that everybody's scared and, and you know, that the, the cliche saying that we're all in this together, it's like we are, and it sucks that, you know, it sucks that uh, it sucks that it's hitting the economy so hard, and it sucks that people are are literally getting sick and dying from this. And like, it sucks that every government in the world—well, I shouldn't say every government—a couple of them handled it really well, but pretty much all of them seemed to have absolutely no idea what they were doing, especially when this all started out. So, it's—I uh, feel blessed that I, I've been able to work from home for the most part on. Yeah both of my jobs. Uh, I set up my, my little home studio here and, and I can make my YouTube videos here and I don't have to go out much, but, uh, um, yeah, yeah. It's empathy and, uh, sickening positivity is how I've been getting through it. <laughs> don't worry. The UK led the way on not knowing what to do and getting it all wrong. So 
You're all right. You're all right. It's like it's like nobody had any idea that this could even happen. Yeah. For, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Oh well. We stay positive and we just move forward. You know exactly. Yeah, Kay, Kay and I said say this every other episode. If it wasn't for COVID, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. Yeah, that's true. You yeah. know, we just wouldn't. You know, it's just it's done. You know, I I I I've had a, I've had personally I've had a really hard time over over the last twelve months or so. I found it very difficult. It's built up over over the over the months has, has gone by, and every so often you get a little moment where you go, my God. If it wasn't for this awful situation, I wouldn't have done this, 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 or this. Yeah. There's no way I would yeah. have done those things. I wouldn't have had the time. I wouldn't have had the uh, inclination. I just wouldn't have felt like, oh, that can wait. I'll do that another time. That's, none of those things would have happened. And I couldn't be more grateful for that. And so, you know, that's actually, in, in the most positive way, setting up myself and Kirsten up for post-COVID in a really good way that actually, all right, it's taking us longer to get to certain places that we wanted to get to, but in the long run, I think it's going to serve us well. And that's the way I, whether we'll see if it works out that way, but that's the way I choose to look at it. (laughs) Whereas, you know, there was a a time, like right at the very beginning of the first lockdown, which was, um, I think it was was around March time, 2020, um, which is like lockdown here. And it basically the UK just went into full on lockdown. It was like, everything was like, you know, every, every store had a sign out there going, you know, gone fishing, basically everything's shut. And, uh, you know, people had to stay at home and you couldn't go out. And you had like, what was it like an hour a day of, of exercise or something that you were allowed to do? Yeah. You know, and of course at that time, people were even more scared than they are now because it, because it was this total unknown. There were no vaccines on the horizon. It was just like, you know, I remember like going to like a superstore, uh, like a supermarket, and and every time you went, you came around a corner and you went into an aisle, and there'd be another person, like one other person, at the far end of the aisle, coming your direction. You could see the fear in their eyes, <laughs> like, "Whoa, yeah. that's another person!" You know, and I kind of feel. I remember coming out of this thinking, "This is so far from normal." <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, if anybody told me like a year before that this was what the world was going to be like, I would have told them to F off, basically, mm-hmm. you know, because there would have been like, that would have been just a bad script for some bad B movie. And, um, and I remember like the first, probably, I don't know, maybe like the first week or something um, of that lockdown where I was literally a little bit shell-shocked. I was like sitting at home thinking like, this can't be happening. I don't want my kids to see this and to grow up in a world like this, you know, blah, blah, and all that kind of stuff. And you go like, you know, the mind's like going crazy. And then I have a tendency to, I'm like one of these, um, you know, one of these punch bags that you punch, they fall over and then they bounce back again. That's just me. So like a weekend, I'm like, right, screw this. We're going to do something. Nick, what about, <laughs> what about this, this podcast thing? And then, you know, and then we're off, off to the races. So um, it's because you just have to kind of, turn it around and do and just keep you know doing something otherwise it's just gonna drive you insane yeah yeah i mean i've heard people refer to it as the covid pivot where you're like you take whatever's going on and you and you pivot with the fact that like this is happening you can't stop it from happening so what can you do in the meantime or whatever the world is going to be a very different place 
when this is all over and it's not all negative, you know, like you said, like you guys wouldn't have done this podcast. I probably, there's a, there's a chance that I wouldn't have gone full-time YouTube because I wouldn't have had this opportunity the way that I got it, you know? Mm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely not all negative. It's, there's a lot of negative, but <laughs> I, I am definitely one of the lucky ones who I've, I found a lot of positive in this. I've been, I've been lucky enough to get to spend a lot of time with my wife now because we're both working from home. And that's something that I feel super mm-hmm. blessed with. And, you know, I can work, I can work both my jobs from home basically, which is, is so wonderful. And, you know, so I, I definitely, I definitely, you know, count my blessings every day in that, in that case but uh but yeah it's going to be a different place but of course you know in in reality at minus 30 outside would you be going outside uh, even if it wasn't <laughs> if there was no pandemic we got we got under <laughs> underground parking i could i could drive to work and get out and oh, go really? back into my into my warm studio but <laughs> see this is probably like, not that much this is one one of the things i've always like admired like uh, remember when um, you know I was uh, I was younger and I went to see family and stuff. And this because it's the one thing that we really don't have in Europe is like remote starters of, for cars. Yeah. So you know, or you can like sit at the breakfast bar and just click a button and your car starts up. And then by the time you get to her, it's all nice and comfy and warm. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it should be it should be mandatory here that when they sell a car, it should come with remote start, and they do a lot of the times, but. Yeah. Our uh, our two vehicles unfortunately don't have that, but we do have underground parking, so we don't have to worry about it on the one vehicle. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned earlier that when you first, like your first camera was uh, a Sony A6000? Yeah, I mean, technically I did own an A5100 first, and this is actually kind of a funny story. Uh, my, my wife and I were going on holiday to uh, my parents own a place in Mexico, and that's where they live most of the time now. So we were going down to Mexico. I was like, this is it. I'm going to buy my first camera, and I'm going to take it on this holiday, get some pictures, maybe do a v- travel vlog type of thing. So I buy this A5100, and I get there. And I, I had also got like a couple of different lenses. So I'm switching lenses. I don't know that you're like, you have to protect your sensor or anything like that. <laughs> so like I get to the end of that trip and my sensor is covered in dust. Cause I'm like changing lenses on the beach mm. and like, it's just, it's just, I'm getting all these weird specs in my photos and I don't know why. So I take it back to Best Buy. I'm like, something is wrong with this camera. Give me a <laughs> refund. <laughs> and I know now what happened, but at the time I didn't. And they were like, well, we don't have any more of these A5100s, but the A6000 is the same price. So you can you can exchange it for this other camera. And I was like, okay, perfect. So I switched it over an A6000. So I always talk about it like the A6000 is my first camera, but technically for about a month or like 16 days or something like that, I had an A5100 first. Cool. So you've and obviously you've you stuck with Sony um, all the way till now. Have you um, have you had a look at the uh, the A one? I haven't yet. I was right. I was part of like the I don't know. I'm I'm on some list that Sony has where when they have new stuff out, they do like little webinars, and the the product management team and stuff will talk through all the points and stuff. So I got the I got the PowerPoint presentation, and it's it's really impressive looking. Um, I've had a lot of people ask me if I'm going to make some content on it. And my general answer is probably not. Uh, and and this kind of goes back to what we were talking about before, about the pyramid. It's like I started making full-frame content and 
I found it more difficult to get people interested in it because I think there are just less people that have, that are at that point, at that same point as I am where they're buying an A7S three or whatever, you know? Mm. So an A1 is even, even further up the scale. I mean, that's flagship. That's, that costs almost $10,000 in Canada. Um, so yeah, it's, it's absolutely nuts. So it's, it's very exciting. I think that the, the things that are, are inside it are, are really exciting. And, and the fact that like Sony does a pretty good job on, on delivering on promises and (laughs) they also do a pretty good job of like, just not talking about the other stuff. Like when they're, when people are like, why didn't you do this? They're like, Hey, take a look at the things that we did do, you know, like that kind of thing. And so it's, I, I'm really excited about like, you know, the fact that they did, uh, they did the 8k with, the uh, essentially no record limit. Like it's, it's pretty from the tests that I've seen, like they're, they're promising half an hour, but all the tests that I've seen have gotten like an hour or more. Um, and, and I mean, everything else that went into that camera and the new processors and, and all that kind of stuff is, is very exciting. Oh, we have a friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about um, that. But yeah, I don't, I don't, I probably won't pick one up. Uh, I might get a loaner from Sony and, and it might be kind of cool to do some like uh, A1 versus A6100. See if I can get like their most expensive camera and their least expensive mirrorless camera and, and do a bit of a comparison or something like that. But yeah. How did you, like when you first, you know, when you first started with one camera, how did you sort of level up your kind of production value or whatever you want to call it? Like over time, did you kind of, did you eventually think like, oh, it might be a good idea to, I don't know, get hold of a GoPro and add that to the vlog? Or how did you, how did you kind of move on from, from the A6000? I think, I think I, I just saved up and eventually got an A6500. Right. <laughs> I, I, that was, that was pretty much it. It was just kind of onto the, onto the next camera. I never... I'm trying to remember whether I had two A6000s at one point. I definitely had two A6500s at one point. Um, and and would kind of always have like the option of an A cam and a B cam, or at least a backup if something was to happen. Um, but yeah, it was like, I think I did. I think it was A6000, then another A6000. And then I got rid of one A6000 and replaced it with a 6500. Got rid of the other A6000, got another A6500. And like, was kind of like this gradual leveling up. Um, I'm also like a, I like to, you know, buy and sell things used uh, if I can, or at least I like will sell things used and buy new if if that's what I feel like is the right call. But so it's this kind of like, gradual leveling up and then eventually uh, eventually the the youtube channel got to a point where it was it was making enough money to invest back into new gear that would then become reviews that would then become more revenue that would then become more gear you know and and that that kind of cycle began but yeah off the bat i think it was just like i just saved up my pennies until i could upgrade into a camera that had 4k and then and it had ibis and all those kinds of things so that was uh that was the big one and it had a a microphone input which was (laughs) uh, i hated the a6000 for that (laughs) did you like how how useful do you think uh 8k is actually 
going to be for like let's say content creation for youtube do you think do you think there's there's a point in that at this at this yeah point? not 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 really <laughs> like i mean even it's it's tough to even say how useful 4k is right now i shoot everything in 4k and i love that i have from a from a creator standpoint i love that i have the extra crispiness and i love that i have a little bit of uh, there's more information for color grading and that kind of stuff but from an actual content consumption standpoint i don't know who's shooting in 4k or 1080 like potato jet i think still shoots all his stuff in 1080 or he did for a long time anyway and it's like i didn't i didn't know the difference uh and and the argument that people will always make is that if you have more k's you can punch in further and it's like okay that's cool i take my 4k footage and i punch into two times if i want to punch into two times anyway I still upload it at 4K and like, I don't think anyone can tell the difference really. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's tough to tell. Um, and then as far as like, if someone's going to actually upload in 8K, like how many people do you know with an 8K monitor or an 8K TV? Like, no one. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I do think, I do think that there's uh, it's, it's cool from a, it's cool more from like a technological standpoint, I think. And I, I love seeing when, when companies come out with their new flagships and stuff, because you know that eventually all of the engineering and all of the, all of the science that went into making that is going to trickle down into the more consumer level or intermediate level or, or even the other professional stuff. That's not the $10,000 uh, flagship, you know, like, and so that's, I think that's where I get really excited about mm. things like the um, the A1 and and the especially the like processor that they have in it and the readout speeds and the new sensor and all that kind of stuff because you know eventually that's going to start trickling down into the more consumer friendly stuff as well. Have you ever been tempted to switching to like a different manufacturer at all? Yeah. Yeah, I I went into a camera store once and asked to hold a Canon, and I loved how it felt. Uh, <laughs> Canon Canon has my favorite ergonomics. Right. Like I just love the way that it feels in in my hands, and and that's been like over a bunch of their cameras too. It's not even just like one, but I think it was the the EOS R when it came out. I I was in a camera store and asked them if I could just play around with it for a minute, and just like loved the way that it felt in my hands, but. I don't know. I'm pretty, I'm pretty embedded as far as like, I've got a bunch of lenses. I know what a pain it's going to be to try and learn something new. Uh, and, and even like, you know, uh, when I was in that camera store playing around with the EOS R, like not knowing where anything is and not understanding the menu system. And like, you can change the ISO with the touch screen. And I was like, that's weird. I don't know if I like that. And like, it was, it, it's like some stuff that would be, that would be really cool if I had the time to, to learn it. And, uh, I probably could make the time, but it's, it's not a, it's not necessarily a, a necessity for me to, to venture out in that direction. I get lots of people who are like, why didn't you, why didn't you incorporate blank camera or lens into this comparison? And I'm like, welcome to my channel. It's mostly Sony. Like that's just kind of what I've decided, I guess, <laughs> but never say never. Who knows? Yeah. It's kind of, I was thinking, you know, it's, it's difficult once, you know, once you spend a lot of money on like, you know, a whole range of different lenses and stuff, you know, and I mean, that's really, that's really where the money is ultimately is in the glass. And you know, once you've yeah. invested into that, like changing the whole system around is that's really when it's going to start to hurt your pocketbook and 
it's just a pain in the neck having to sell all this stuff and then you know i did a i did a little uh, just as an exercise uh, not too long ago i kind of went when i really didn't have anything else to do i listed all of my nikon gear and you know i checked out what i could get for it you know at this moment in time and like what i could if i switched brands like what could i get for for the money without having to put anything in any anything extra in and uh it was depressing <laughs> so i'm gonna say it's like uh so i figured like that nah, i'm just gonna stay put as you know i'm like super annoyed with uh with you know the recording limit and this there's so many there's so many different limitations but i think for what we're doing right now it's fine and at this at this moment in time it's cool you know in yeah. a year's time the situation may be different you know who knows but i might go for and a Sony a6000 yeah, there you go. Yeah, I mean, I I think that like there's not a there's not really a bad camera that's come out in the past couple of years. Like this is the thing like there's this there's this war between consumers of these camera brands and it's like, I don't know, Canon's making great stuff, Fuji's making great stuff, Nikon's making great stuff, Sony's making great stuff. Like mm. everybody's there. Like nobody nobody is really like fumbled in a while, everything that I've been seeing come out is like, sure, they've all got pros and cons. And that's why review channels exist. (laughs) You know, if they were, if the perfect, if the perfect camera really existed or could possibly exist, there would be no need for any of this, but really like that's, it's, I think everybody's doing a great job right now. And, and, you know, my hat's off to the the engineers and R and D teams who put this stuff together because it's like so beyond what I can understand how you can how you can even make some of these better. Like there are so many so many limitations physically or technologically that just I don't I couldn't possibly begin to understand. And the other thing is, of course, you know, when you're you know when you're talking about like beginners and you know people who who are just trying to get into into the game, you know, into photography or into making YouTube videos or whatever. I mean, ultimately you can actually go a long way just with your phone these days. I mean, there Mm -hmm. are so many channels where people just use an iPhone, you know, to film just about everything. And again, that's just just a great starting point. I think, you know, if I compare that to my very first video camera when I was like, I think 10 or something, you know, and it had like a tape in it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, and it's like, it's, yeah. it seems, it seems so ridiculous. Uh, but actually only recently, my mom actually sent me that camera, which she found in the, I think in the attic or something, you know, and there's still some of, some of the original video eight tapes. I don't know if you remember that, that format is, yeah. you know, it's old format. Um, and it'll be interesting. I mean, I have, no, I have nothing to play this stuff on obviously these days, but it'd be interesting to see what's actually on it because, you know, that'd be like the 12 year old me shooting weird sci-fi movies in the back of the garage. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I still got my, my old digital eight, whatever. Sony. it was a Sony camera too, funny enough. Uh, and I, it had, it had the Sony NPF batteries on it. Yeah. Yeah. uh, And they still worked. I I found it not too long ago and I pulled it out and this was like, yeah, from when I was like somewhere between 10 and 13 years old and I pulled it out and charged up the batteries and they still work. I don't know what kind of capacity they have anymore, but yeah. Well, it's like, I remember the old, uh, like the Sony handicams, I think was, do you mm-hmm. know those? It's like, um, yeah. cause I like the, my camera still works. You know, it's, it's, uh, it does play back, but the, the connector, 
that you in the olden days connected to the to the TV via like a scart lead or something. That doesn't work anymore. So I need to find a replacement for that. So otherwise, because otherwise I can't see anything. You know, I think it's yeah. got a black and white viewfinder. <laughs> Which is like <laughs> classic, man. Awesome. That's awesome. So yeah, I mean, you know, it doesn't it doesn't really take much um these days to kind of to get started with any of that, you know, like a regular um iPhone or shall we say Android, you know, will actually suffice. Oh, no, we shouldn't. No, let's not say. Let's not no, say. No. Let's, just, let's just leave them. Yeah. No, that's that's not, a dirty no. word. <laughs> I, just, after, my big, after my big spiel about like how every camera manufacturer is doing great, I'm just like, no Android. Yeah. <laughs> We've just alienated half of our listenership <laughs> in one swift stroke. No, I've, I've never, I've never had the pleasure of, of attempting to use Android. So basically since I had a, since I had a, a touchscreen cell phone or mobile phone or whatever you want to call it, it's always been an iPhone. So yeah, same. I just don't know. I'm ignorant. Yeah, it's absolutely the same. I've never actually used an Android, an Android phone ever. Um, one thing somebody gave me to try out once was a Windows phone. I think this was like years ago. And I have to say, you know, I just looked at the thing like, what? devil's work is this like uh it was a, it was a toy basically and i couldn't i could deal with it and this is like you know i had i don't know what i had at the time like an iphone 4 or something like that you know yeah and yeah even, totally so uh so yeah um cool so what's what's next for you now so you like over the next few weeks are you working on new on more videos or what's what's your trying to yeah trying to trying to keep up with uh with putting out a video a week uh while while building up a couple of things uh i know i've mentioned the the patreon a couple of times so making some some changes out over there and that's that's a really new venture for me so there's like a little bit of the uh front heavy admin kind of thing to get it to get it rolling so that's taking up a little bit of time uh, like I said, I really am going to be looking forward to launching that Can Dunna Do It series. Um, try and make those something even bigger than better than bigger and better than my you know regular content. Um, there are a couple of a couple of online course opportunities that I've got uh, on the horizon. I don't know how much I'm supposed to talk about them, but I'm working on some stuff there, and uh, <laughs> uh, so that's very exciting to to kind of get to branch out into some just some new platforms and new new ways of looking at things. But for the most part, it's uh, it's you know same old same old. Trying to keep regular on my on my once a week and just and really just making sure that that's as valuable to people as it possibly can be and and make sure that I keep it keep it steady and and good quality. Excellent. Now, I know you like a challenge. Okay. And and we like a challenge too. In fact, we challenged um one of our former guests Ivan Weiss to uh to a a portrait like a self-portrait shootout which is going to be okay. which is going to be uh the episode that's that aired last week from where we're now, but it'll actually be coming out tomorrow because we shoot, we record these episodes in advance. So are you up yeah. for a challenge? Sure. Yeah. For a photo shootout challenge. Absolutely. Oh, wicked. Awesome. Okay, cool. Right. <laughs> Nick is like rubbing his hands. He's like, Whoa. Okay. Let's go. Wicked. Now we've done it. We've come to the end of camera Shake podcast episode 43 with this week's special guest. Dana did it. Be reminded that if you are listening to the audio version of this podcast, you can not only listen to our solitary voices, but also see our beautiful faces in full Technicolor over on YouTube. All you have to do is go to youtube.com 
forward slash Camershake. And, and if you are listening to this from the beautiful town of Vancouver, then please get in touch. We would love to hear from you. Uh, all you have to do is send us an email at camershakepodcast at gmail.com, or you can hit us up on Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, any of those beautiful platforms. Please get in touch. It'd be super awesome and interesting to hear from you. Now, that being said, without further ado, that's all from us for today. We will see you again next week in episode 44. See ya.